for us, we do have a special treat today. And uh, the special treat is that we have a couple of guests with us. Um, and the reason for these chairs up here is we're going to have kind of an interview uh, format going on for our message today where we get to hear the stories about the ministries that they're involved with. And, and these are ministries that uh, we support as a congregation. We are a part of and uh, have people go and we have, have people serve there. So we get to hear more about that. We are in the middle now of a series, a sermon series that's about the mission of the church. And our, our congregation's mission is to connect people to the living God powerful, important mission. Uh, but w- what we have is an opportunity to do that, not just within our four walls, not just on our own, but by partnering with other people to connect people with the living God. So we're going to hear from these folks who are here. Joyce is here from uh, Brown's Ministry and Steve from Open Door Ministry. So if the two of you want to come on up now and join me up here, we will, uh, we will begin with that. Now, while we are hearing from them, what I'm going to ask of you is that you listen, as you're listening here, listen for God working, okay? Where, where, where do you identify God in the midst of what you're going to hear today, okay? Uh, we're calling this message Seeing God, okay? So, so where do you see God in what's taking place here, okay? So, uh, first of all, I, again, I want to thank both of you for being here today. I know that both of you have got... Uh, uh, you know, busy ministries of your own that you are involved with, but you've taken some time today to uh, share your stories with us, and, and we're very grateful to you for that and for all that you're doing in your, in your ministries. So to start us off here today, I mean, Steve, we'll, we'll start with you, and uh, if you would just explain to us um, more about Open Door, what is that ministry all about, what is your purpose, things like that. Okay, okay. I'd be glad to. And first of all, I want to thank you for inviting us here and just sharing, allowing us to share uh, what God is doing at Open Door Ministry and also being such wonderful partners with what goes on at Open Door Ministry. Thank you and, and everybody here uh, for your wonderful partnership. Open Door Ministry is a, a food pantry uh, that began back in uh, 2000, the year 2000. It was started by a man by the name of John Drulard. And uh, John actually and his wife actually distributed food out of their home. Cars would, uh, would come up to their, uh, to their house, and people in need, and he would, he, actually his wife shared this with us uh, after John had passed away, uh, that uh, the cars would come up there and they would fill the trunk with lots and lots of food. You know, and we continue that uh, tradition today by giving people lots and lots of food as they come to Open Door Ministry. But God has worked in wonderful ways over those years, over the, what would that be, 14, 15 years to have that ministry grow. Back then, it was just a few people that would come out and perhaps, you know, a few thousand pounds of food that was distributed. In 2014, we averaged 480 families every single week. We distributed 1.3 million pounds of food. So, I, you know, I, I think back over those years, the years that I've been involved, I got involved in uh, 2002, 2003, and how God has moved in those over those years, over those 12 years. And, how, and I'm wondering, you know, how in the world, you know, would we go from serving just a few people to serving 480 or almost 500 families? That's about 1,400, 1,500 people every single week. How would we go from providing, being able to provide just, you know, a, a little bit of food to tw- an average of about 25,000 pounds of food a week? How in the world will we go from 
One year we were actually, or one summer, we were uh, working out of a tent. How in the world will we go from working out of a tent on a little lot to being able to serve all these people out of a 48,000-square-foot warehouse with high lows and, and large trucks that come up and, and deliver all this food? How in the world can that happen? Well, the answer is not in this world, as you know. It's God. That's how he blessed it. You know, he, whoever he calls, he enables. And he had called us and the people, all the people that are involved, including this church, because you're our partners. All the people, he had called all those people and he enabled us. He enables us to serve, you know, that many people. So it's, it's a wonderful blessing. But one thing I wanted to point out here, and this is something I have a little bit of difficulty with, perhaps afterwards you can give me a little advice on this, and that is... Uh, since so much of the work that's done there is involved with the food, you know, most of our volunteers think, you know, that that's the number one priority, but it's not. Food is secondary. Our mission at Open Door Ministry is not just to provide food, but to help people so they can provide food for themselves. You know, and how do we do that? Well, one thing is, well, you know, we have a job back there, so we help people try to find a job. We have something called Jobs for Life. Jobs for Life is a biblically-based program. It's a 16-week class where people who are kind of hitting a brick wall and trying to find a job, and it helps them overcome those obstacles by looking at examples of that as laid out in the Bible, as described in the Bible. So we go actually kind of a Bible study to help people overcome those obstacles. It's a nationwide organization, and nationwide it has an 80% success rate of getting people, you know, you know, so that they're not depending on food parenties for food, but able to provide food for themselves. But another thing is, one thing, when people call or when people uh, contact us at Open Door Ministry to get uh, some food uh, assistance, every one of them, there's about 5,700 families that we have registered, every one of them has talked to me because we fell on an application, you know, for them to, to qualify. And in that process, we try to identify root cause because when you think about it, we live in perhaps uh, the richest nation in the world. Perhaps the, the richest nation in all of modern history. Why do we have people in this area here, so many people, that have a need for food assistance? So we try to identify root cause. Why is that? Now, some of the people, you know, have health issues, you know, and that type of, that type of thing. They've been in the hospital and they've, they've lost pay or some of their hours have been cut. There's a lot of that talk on the news. Uh, some people have lost their jobs and that type of thing. But other people, other people have made some poor decisions. You know, could I say maybe, you know, some sinful decisions? And they need Jesus. They need a counselor. They need the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're there to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And we do that through our, uh, we have a little devotion that we put in each of the bags that goes out to our guests. And then we also have a radio program where when people wait in the parking lot, um, we have a little low-powered FM transmitter. And we can talk to them about the Lord. We share the gospel with them. You know, as the, as the groups come through, we share the gospel with them and uh, lead them to Jesus Christ. So uh, basically, that's what Open Door Ministry is about. All right. Thank you, Steve. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> and Joyce, tell us about Brown's ministry. Brown ministry is about Reverend Mary Lou Brown. We're located in Detroit. <clears throat> when she moved there, when she started the work there in 1966, it was called Cass Corridor. Some people call it the inner city. 
Other people called it Skid Row. Third Street was really bad. She came in 66, the riots hit Detroit in that area in 67. Her friends said, you better get out of there, you'll be killed. Well, she'd already made it a habit in her life to pray about everything. And she felt like God was saying, if you'll stay here, I'll protect you. And nothing will come within two blocks of where you are. And that's exactly what happened. I want to back you up now to before she knew Christ. She was in Hollywood, California as a model and managing modeling studios. And I have a tract on our table out there, and I want you all to pick up one, more than one if you would like. When you read it, hand it to someone else. This is the story of how she found Christ and how God led her to Detroit. I also have a brochure she writes, she types, has these put out once a month. Your church receives them. This is our faith letter, and in that faith letter, she shares what's happening at the ministry. She shares testimonies of people who've been helped. She shares faith inspiration because that's what her life is all about. She's in Hollywood, and God got a hold of her heart. I can't tell you the story because I don't have time, but believe me, God got a hold of her heart, transformed her life. She was born again, and she left the Hollywood, the modeling business, and God put her into door-to-door sales. Now, if you've ever knocked on a door and tried to sell someone something they know they don't want, you know it's hard. She worked it. Ten years, her company went to the top in the nation because that's, that's her motivation. If she does it, she's going to do the best there is. She was selling waterless cookware, fine china, and crystal. California and came to move to her business to Nebraska. She left Nebraska and came to Detroit with her business. Michigan was where she was born and reared. And she knew she had people she knew in Detroit. She brought her business there and she was in a church on the east side of Detroit one day and the minister said in his sermon, I believe God is calling someone today. And she thought, oh, he must really believe that because she had utmost confidence in him. He must really believe that God's going to call someone. And at that moment, God spoke to her heart and said, I'm calling you. That I'm calling you to live by faith and strive for souls. She didn't even know what that meant yet. But she'd been following Christ since her conversion in California. And it's 10, 12 years later now. When she went door to door, and she'd knock on a door, she'd walk up to the door, she said she'd always have this overwhelming feeling, I wish I had a Bible under my arm, and I could knock on their door and talk to them about Jesus instead of trying to sell them something that they don't want. But mm-hmm. God taught her everything she needed to know through her Hollywood experience and through her door-to-door sales so that she could be the founder and director of Brown Ministries in Detroit. Where I was supposed to stop? (laughs) (laughs) You don't see him doing it, but every so often he pokes me in the back and says, Joyce, you're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) He had to liquidate her business. I'm just joking. He hasn't hasn't done anything. I got a longer pen this time. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding you.
Her ministry started with a passion to go on the streets and knock on doors and evangelize through tract distribution on the streets. And she, um, at that time, the streets were loaded with alcoholics, men who'd come to Detroit and got their big auto job. But for some reason or another, they ended up alcoholics and on the street, lost their marriage, lost their homes, lost their integrity, just were down in outers. And her burden was to see if it couldn't be lifted up. And that was through ministering to their souls. First, you have to have a person aware that they have a soul and that that soul will live somewhere forever. And she just went out with a passion to talk to people about their soul. She'd knock on doors and she'd see mothers with little children trying to raise them by themselves. And she'd say, can I do anything to help? And she'd win the hearts of the people through God's love coming through her heart to them. She built a Sunday school. She built a church. She'd get the children to Sunday school, and Sunday school kids would go home and say, Mom, Mom, you've got to come. You've got to hear this. And she built a church that way. She rented one room. God led her to 4319 Third to start her work. She rented, I said one room, I mean one uh, abandoned building. She rented it for $20 a month back in 1966. And the man who owned it said, sure, you can rent it, but I'm not going to empty it. It was wall to wall and ceiling to floor full of junk. But you know, because God was teaching her to live by faith, she went through all of that junk saying, what's here that I could use to set up an apartment and to build a church around? And she found an abandoned, looked like no good space heater. I mean, she started in September of 1966, and you know if you live in Michigan, it's starting to change weather. And so she thought, oh, I'm going to have to have some heat pretty soon. And she called DTE and said, "Uh, would you come and try to help me start my space heater? And the man came, and he said, well, I hope you know I don't have to do this. She said, but all the time he's down there trying to get that old space heater working. She's praying. Pretty soon he said, lady, he said, I can't get it to work, but I'll try one more thing. And he left and went out to his truck. She said, I ran to my prayer closet, and I said, God, I believe you're in this. Make it work. So he came back in. He didn't even use the tools he went out for. He just tried lighting it again, and it lit right up. And that was, that uh-huh. was her heat in her first building. Now the ministry covers from Canfield on 3rd Street. And Canfield is a historic district. All these beautiful old Victorian homes. It goes from Canfield down to Calumet on both sides of the street. And we have a mission. She has eight different ministries that she does. We go out to churches like this on speaking engagements. She's done it for years. We have a multimedia um, ministry where she's put all the stories of the history of the ministry to pictures and put it together on three-screen slide presentation. We take those out as a means of sharing what God has done through her work there. She has, she's on the radio every Sunday afternoon at 4.30 WMUZ. Now, she's 96 years old. 
Anyone here can top that? <laughs> She's been serving God in the inner city at this location. If God tarries with her next September, it'll be 50 years. And she has burned out for God. I can't think of anything better to do. Still very much alive. She very much still directs the ministry, but she isn't living there now. She's got a retreat house up north. And the other staff member, there's just three of us, the other lady lives with her to help take care of her needs and to do the other work of the ministry that isn't my calling. Computer work isn't my calling. Finances isn't my calling. I'm just a retired school teacher. But God is in the work, Brother Denzel. Amen. Thank you. One of the uh, pleasures of doing this is that uh, after, you know, this being the third service that these two have shared, I get to hear different stories at every service. I could probably, uh, we could probably have six services and have even more stories because there's all kinds of ministry taking place. But um, for both of you, uh, there's several things that you have in common in your two ministries, and one of them is that you've, you are not the founders of the ministry, and yet you are intimately, actively involved in leading it now. Um, so if you would, Steve, if, beginning with you again, uh, tell us, how did you come to know the Lord, and uh, how did the Lord lead you into this ministry, and what is he doing with you there? Okay, I'd be glad to share that. It was uh, March 28, 1982, in a small little town in Virginia called uh, Mount Jackson, Virginia, uh, and it was at my father's funeral that I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, up until that time, I had uh, been trying to work my way to heaven through self-effort, and my sister uh, led me to the Lord. She'd been sharing some things with me in the past, which some of I kind of listened to and some of it I didn't. Uh, but at that day, I made that decision to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior, uh, right on the steps of that funeral home. And uh, my life has been changed ever since, and I can kind of look back at a step-by-step -step progression from that day to where, you know, he has led me and this ministry this day. If I jump ahead uh, to 1986 of that year, I was actually teaching a class at a church in Belleville about how we as a nation have drifted away from our uh, Christian roots, you know, that the founders uh, established this nation upon. And I was uh, teaching that class, and uh, the Lord spoke to me, I believe, and he said, well, I mean, that's, that's the message that I want you know, you to share with that class. There's only 30 people in that class. I think you should take that message to many more people. Okay, how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> and now, you may or may not believe this, but I'm telling you, this is, you know, what I think happened. The Saturday, I think it was a Saturday morning, and I was getting ready uh, to go about my day, and I believe the Lord spoke to my heart at that time. I said, what I want you to do is that I want you to run for state representative in that district. I think it was the 54th district at that time. I want you to run for state representative and take that message out uh, to the people in that district. So that's you know, exactly what we did. We were able through that, you know, to take, we printed up a whole bunch of flyers and we had a flyer that somebody had designed for me, how we've drifted away from God. Uh, we got in the newspapers, the headlines of the newspapers. Um, God calls man uh, to run for state representative or something like that. So we're getting lots and lots of coverage about this message, you know, that, we, that God had called us to, to get out, not to just 30 people, 
Uh, but I think we got it out to about 20 or 22,000 people. And during that time, if, I don't know if any of you have ever run for office or not, but during that time, you have uh, some alone times with God. When you're out there knocking on doors, okay, a couple doors get slammed in your face now and then, uh, particularly in that particular district, if you tell them you're a Republican. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, we lived through that. And, but we had alone time with God. And uh, so it, in that process, we'll be walking through some very, very poor neighborhoods in Ypsilanti. And that's when God was speaking, you know, to my heart about reaching these people with Jesus. They need Jesus in their lives. And, and that's when it was kind of like the roots of this, uh, of the ministry that exists today. We roll the clock just a little bit f- further forward to no, about 1989, 1990. Uh, we were involved in a, in a program out of uh, a motel in Ypsilanti called Your Motel. And Your Motel actually was pretty famous uh, for some pretty bad things that were happening there. But God had called us, you know, to that particular program, Feeding the Hungry. We'd go there once a month, and we'd uh, minister to the people there. The people, a lot of the people at that time that went to this particular uh, motel got a voucher from the state if they were homeless, so they would have a warm place to stay at night, okay? So they'd get a voucher, they'd take it to the Euro Motel, and they could stay there. So we, once a month, we would go there, and we would give them hot soup and... Uh, and uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, that type of thing, and minister to them, you know, about, about the Lord. And so, but that, but my wife and I began to think about that. Well, we're going here once a month. We need to get more involved in their lives. So what we did is we started, you know, going you know, during the week, and we started uh, Bible studies there, right, in the motel rooms, you know, and that type of thing, and getting involved in their lives. And that was kind of the next step in this step-by-step process. You know, the, the, the Bible says, you know, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And I think that each one of you can look and see, you know, where God has led you in the past and where he's leading you now. And so that led, you know, to uh, where we are right now at Open Door Ministry, where uh, I retired from Ford in 2002, the end of 2002. And the pastor uh, at Connection Church asked me to get involved in Open Door Ministry. So, you know, that's where, you know... Uh, you know, we're uh, in, involved today. So, uh, I mean, he's just, you know, doing wonderful things for that. So that's, that's basically uh, the beginning and, and where we are right now. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Joyce, how about you? I came to Reverend Brown Ministries <clears throat> by a series of miracles in 1976. I came down, I went to Christian Day School, and uh, it was at Reverend Brown Ministries that God led me to Christ. I came to her believing I was okay, professing to be a Christian. I've been professing to be a Christian for many years. I was harking back to some time when I was about 16, where I felt real bad and I cried a lot, and I told God, I'm sorry for this and this and this, got up from praying, and felt better. So I just thought, well, this must be it. Strange thing is, the feeling better didn't stay with me very long, and the doing right, I couldn't get it to work. I just kept doing bad things, wrong things. But when God took me to Reverend Brown Ministries, she led me to Christ. I I never had anyone actually lead me to Christ. And Christ led me to see my need to be born again. 
I had tried to work it all out. I had tried, oh, I had, you, I'd turned over more leaves than you have leaves in your yard. <laughs> trying to, it's got to be better the next time. It didn't work. But I tell you what did work. When I faced the fact that I was my own problem and my need was within me, and I came to Christ, he gave me the grace to confess my sins. I mean, I was a rebel. Oh, you see me as a real sweet elderly lady looking like, wow, she's got it together. I, my mom wouldn't have said that, and my daddy would never have said that, and my brothers and sisters would have said, ooh, she was bad. <laughs> but I just, I just kept on keeping on, thinking there's got to be an answer. And that's why God took me to Detroit, because he knew where the answer was. I didn't. And on May 11th, 1977, I came to the end of myself. I said, okay, God, okay, God, I give. I have rebelled. I have cheated. I have stolen. I have lied. I have, you name it. It was on my record. But on May 11th, it was all washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'll never have to go back to the misery and the unhappiness of the life that I was living ever again. And I've been with the ministry since January of 76. I haven't even gone astray. I've just held in there and because of Jesus. Thank you. In both of your cases, we heard stories about God's activity in your life. How about your ministries? Uh, Why don't you lift up for us some stories that uh, you can share with us where you've seen God active and at work. And Steve, you can start us off with that. Okay. I'd like to share two, if I may. Uh, The first one I'd like to share is about how I had a plan and God had a better plan. Have you ever had that situation in your lives? (laughs) (laughs) I think most of us have, right? Um, This was years ago. And my plan was that all, the, all of our volunteers that uh, were going to minister directly, so direct contact with our, our guests, as we call them, uh, would be Christians. They'd be born again, committed Christians, very active, you know, in their relationship with Jesus Christ. We actually had a little form that they would fill out, you know, have their name, rank, serial number. And <laughs> it would have, you know, whether they attended a church, you know, and, you know, where they were actively involved, you know, in that church and so on and so forth. That was my plan. I thought it was a pretty good plan. What do you think? <laughs> not bad. Uh, but God had a different plan. He said, no, 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 that's not what I want you to do. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm going to send hundreds, if not thousands of people to this ministry for you to minister to. I'm going to send you Hindus. I'm going to send you Muslims. I'm going to send you non-believers. I'm going to send you children. Little children like we had here, okay? Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, sports teams, uh, National Honor Society students, Key Club, people from various civic groups. I'm going to send you all those people for you to minister to. So that was his plan. What happened uh, one day, I think it was probably last year, fairly recently, we actually had one of our guests sort of complain. I don't know if you call it a complaint or not. It was a question more than a complaint. And this particular person said, you know, 
um, I thought that all the volunteers there were Christians. And I noticed that, you know, one of the volunteers had, you know, the Muslim garb on, clothing on. So I had, I shared with her, I said, you know, uh, I shared the same story that I just shared with you. Well, that's not where God directed us. I had a plan. He, he had another plan, a better plan. And uh, then I went on to tell her, I said, you know, we have a, a devotion. We start every Thursday night is when we have our food distribution, and we start it with a devotion at 4.15. At 4.15, you know, we give them a little instructions and that type of thing, and we have prayer, and we have a little devotion, you know, five or ten minutes where we share the gospel. And that young lady, that young lady was right in the front row listening very intently. So that's how God moves. Second story I want to share with you is it was a, a few years ago, and I'm going to try to paint the best, and I want you to try to visualize this in your mind, okay? I'm going to try to paint the best picture I can with words. And it was a Thursday night. It was a very, very cold Thursday night, much the same as we had last Thursday, except for there was quite a bit more snow. We didn't have a whole lot of snow on Thursday, but, you know, the, you guys remember Thursday, right? Cold wind and, and below zero chill temperatures, and then, like I say, it was the blowing snow and that type of thing. We had finished our food distribution for that night. We were done. All our guests had gone home. Uh, many of our volunteers had gone home, and we were in the kind of the cleanup phase, if you will. And we noticed that there was a couple boys, about you know, eight, ten years old, that all of a sudden came in the front door. You know, we're wondering, you know, why they're there. And we looked at them, and they had obviously. Uh, uh, they had walked, their, I guess their, their dad's car broke down, and one of our guests, about a half mile from the ministry, down at the party store on Michigan Avenue, perhaps you're familiar with that party store. The car had broke down, and the kids had walked back, and I guess the father was behind them. And when they walked in, they had snow all over their pants, leg, all over their boots, and all over, you know, their socks and everything. And not just a little bit of snow, but if you know, if you've been out in the snow for a long time, you get those kind of like snowballs that stick like in ice balls, like all over your socks, you know, and that type of thing. And so we brought them in, we sat them down, and some of our volunteers, at that time we had a clothing bank there, they went up and got some nice, warm, dry socks for these two boys. And one of our other volunteers, a guy by the name of David Karlinski, he uh, took their boots off, took, you know, these ice-covered socks off, and began to rub their feet, to warm their feet. And I was about 10 or 15 feet away, and I'm looking at that. You know, at the early service, we sang this song, I Want to See Jesus. And I looked at that. And I said, that's exactly what Jesus would do. That's exactly what Jesus would do. It was like I was looking at Jesus and how he would minister. So I want to ask you a question. Are you real willing to rub a little boy's feet? Are you willing to be the hands and the feet of Jesus? That's what we're about, and that's the opportunity that God gives us. We just need to seize that opportunity.
Thanks, Steve. Good stories. And Joyce, what's God up to at Brown's ministry? At Brown ministry, God's up to rescuing souls, really, really, and truly. I shared in the earlier service a story about an alcoholic by the name of Chief. He lived on the streets so long, the taxi cab drivers were used to driving around him. And uh, he would come to the mission, to Reverend Brown, and she'd minister to him, pray with him, try to help him. And he'd come in to get some clean clothes and some food so that he could keep keep going. But one day, he and his buddy got a hold of some bad liquor. And his buddy died on the floor at the end of Chief's bed. Chief knew he was dying. That one of the men from his building, he said, please go get Reverend Brown. And the guy said, you don't believe she'd come to this building, do you? Rat infested, roach infested, dirty, filthy. He said, go get Reverend Brown. And she was at his bedside in eight minutes. She began praying with him because she looked at him and she said to herself, she said, God, He's got to get saved. He's got to be born again before he dies. You know, many times as she's ministered to alcoholics and drug addicts and prostitutes and whoever they are in the inner city, she, those who come to know Christ through her ministry, she's discovered they have a praying mother or a praying grandmother. Many, many times. Kind of got discouraged working with Chief because he just kept putting it off and putting it off and some other day. But one day he stuck his head in the window and he said, Pastor Brown, don't give up on me. And that gave her all of the help she needed to keep on keeping on. And it wasn't soon after that that he called her to his bedside and he said, I'm dying. Prayed him through to salvation that day. He did not die he got up off of the sick bed. He came in. She put him into some clean clothes. And one day he came into the ministry with his Bible under his arm and in a suit and said, I'm ready to hit the bricks, meaning mm-hmm. he wanted to go out on the streets and evangelize with her. I can't tell you how many stories like that there are, but we have a DVD at our table which will show you before and after of many, many people and, and posters of people who've come. We have a picture back there of a mother who actually shot her own daughter up at the age of 12 with heroin. This day, the mother has passed away. To this day, Pastor loves that girl so much, but I can't tell you the devastation that brought to her life, her face, her body all marred, all scarred. But she's been in more than once saying, please help me. I want to quit. I want to get free. But I tell you, the devil is a hard taskmaster. If he's got you, he doesn't want to let you go. Another part of pastor's ministry has been with the children in the area. And back in the 60s and early 70s when she came in, that part of Detroit was really, really down and out. Uh, A lot of 
men had moved to Detroit to the motor company jobs. They'd come up from the south. In fact, most of the inner city at that time was populated with southern white families. You don't see them there anymore, but at that time, that's who she ministered to when she first came. And she'd find mothers in their homes needing help. She was there for them, and that's how she built her church. One day, I say one day, it was over a period of time, but there was this family, two, two girls, sisters, and a brother. And the fa- pastor found them on the streets more than she found them in their homes because there was an alcohol problem in the home, and the kids would rather be outdoors. And so she'd take them then. She'd make sure they had clean clothes on. She'd feed them, and she'd tell them about Jesus. She got them coming to her Sunday school, and they were actually saved as children. About three years ago, I mean, we followed this family. They were actually adopted by a, a minister family that Reverend Brown knew out near Jackson, Michigan, these three young children. They are all, one, one of the girls has gone on through college, and she has a tremendous job. And the man, the boy, has married. He lives down south. He has a wife and children, and he has a good job. About three years ago, he came back to Detroit to visit his father. He came to the mission. He said, I've got to tell Pastor Brown what she means to me. He said, if it hadn't been for her, my sisters and I would have died on the streets because we had no other help. But she just put her arms of love around them. And another girl, her name is Roxanne, she would come to the Her father was alcoholic. He died in their apartment. She would come to the ministry as a young girl, and she'd stick her little head through the gate. We had we the back of our property is goes down an alley, and she'd come in and she'd stick her head through the gate and she'd call to someone. She'd say, "Hey, hey, tell Pastor Brown I'm here. She's my friend." This lady is married, has children, lives in Kentucky now, and we still have some contact with her. She was saved at the ministry at the age of 12 years of age. We could go on, but mm-hmm. I think my time's up. All right, amen. <laughs> with, uh, with both of you, what we're hearing are stories uh, that, that remind me last week uh, we had talked about how uh, the church has the same mission that Jesus had because we are the body of Christ and how when Jesus went to Nazareth, he talked about... Uh, uh, how he came to set the captives free. And what I'm hearing from you, and what we are hearing from you, are stories of transformation, the difference that Jesus makes. Um, and that's an exciting thing. It's an exciting thing to be able to partner with you on. So how is it that we might be able to best partner with you? Steve, we're going to wrap up with you. So Joyce, why don't, you, why don't you lead us into that? How can we partner with you, and how is our partnership right now helping with Brown's ministry? There's three ways that you can partner with us uh, and I think you're, some of you are already involved in all three of these ways, if not one, maybe two or three. The first way you can partner with us is prayer. We need prayer. Reverend Brown, God called Reverend Brown to be a work of faith. That means she has to pray everything in. We don't go out and buy us a new car. We pray. We don't. We, we wait for God to send toilet paper in. All the food that we have to pray in for our larder, she prays it in. She prays everything in. Churches like you support us. 
Uh, we have a Catholic parish in Brighton who comes down every month with food that they have collected just for our food pantry. Um, prayer. Pray for us as staff, Reverend Brown, Clara, who's the other staff member that takes care of the ministry up north, and myself, who has been trained through Pastor Brown's ministry to do what I find myself doing, which I never dreamed in a thousand years I would do, which is I'm holding down the fort while they're not there. I'm just holding it down. I'm keeping everything going. The second way you can participate is by giving. Your church already supports us by your giving. However God speaks to you, we pray everything in. Our own personal needs, the needs of the ministry, the needs of the people that we're ministering to. Right now, we're praying for a single bed for a man who sleeps on the floor. He came to me last week, and he said, Joyce, I am so sick. He said, I have one blanket on the floor, one I'm wrapped up in. And he said, I can't afford to turn my heat up because then I'd lose my apartment because I wouldn't have the money to pay for it all. So I said to him, I said, go pray, Dino, for a single bed so that you cannot have to sleep on the floor. That's how you can help us is by giving and praying. The third way is how your church already supports us, and that's through volunteering. You have a group that comes down the second Saturday of almost every month. They're not coming in January, but I see in your bulletin they're already scheduled for March or February and March. They call me right after their board meeting and say, Joyce, these are our dates. Are they okay with you? Saturday from 9 o'clock to 12, and everybody gets the van, picks you up here, and brings you to us, and then it'll bring you back at 12 o'clock. They walk out of our building. But that's how we get so much of our work done. If I have small electrical needs, and Dave's wife is here today, if he's with them, he gets those jobs. Mm -hmm. If I need help with the gardening, I have helpers. If I need help with Packaging food. We package food. We make food bags. We are always in the mission area working on projects for the, for the needy that come to us for help. Amen. Thank you. And by the way, following our time together here today, you're going to have an opportunity to ask these people questions, meet them personally out here in the narthex. Steve, how can we best partner with you? Well, we have a group that comes out uh, the first Wednesday of uh, every month. And they help uh, sort canned goods um, and then also package uh, frozen food when we have that available. But the sorting of the canned goods is pretty easy. Uh, you look for uh, food that's out of date sometimes. Believe it or not, we have food that's donated that's out of date. And then we divide it up, you know, whether it be uh, a vegetable or fruit or meat or pasta or whatever like that so that we can distribute it. Because what we try to do is when we distribute the food, we try to provide food that's, you know, a, a balanced diet for our guests when they come. So that's, every, that's the first Wednesday of every month. There's a group that comes. We'd love to have you come uh, join with them. Uh, that would be wonderful. And then every Thursday is when we have our food distribution. And that food distribution actually starts at 4.30, but most of our volunteers get there around 4 o'clock. Some come later. That's fine. And the food distribution ends at 7.30. We're there to, to 8 or 8.30 doing the cleanup. So we'd love to have people come any Thursday night. If you, know, if you come as an individual, you don't need to call and make previous arrangements. You just come on out. 
down on Lily Road, just south of Michigan Avenue. Come on out, and uh, we'll put you to work. Now, one of the things uh, that we have a special need for, particularly when the weather's a little nicer than Thursday, and that is, like I said before, we have, you know, maybe at any one time, we may have uh, 50 or 60 cars lined up in the parking lot. And uh, those people, if you go up and just begin to talk to them, if we just had some volunteers that would be willing to go up and talk to them, perhaps you've experienced this in your life. I know I have in mine. When you begin to just talk somebody, to talk to somebody just on a casual basis about the tigers, the lions, or, or whatever, the weather, uh, and you just scratch just a little below the surface, you find there's a lot of needs. And, and, they, ha- and they need prayer. They need Jesus. So we're looking for people that would be willing to do that. Now, sometimes, I hate to say this, but sometimes it's difficult to get uh, people who are willing, you know, to pray with people that they don't know and just got to go up and knock on their window and then just begin to talk with them. But you know, if anybody would like to do that, you know, uh, that, would, that would be wonderful also. Another question that people ask me, can I bring children? Yes. We have all the children do our inside work because there's cars moving outside. But, uh, you know, it's great, uh, it's great to have, uh, you know, children there, like little children like we have here. We have lots and lots of children there uh, to help out too. So that's uh, every Wednesday and Thursday. All right. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's give these folks a round of applause. Thanks for what they're doing. Thank mm-hmm. you.